Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Perkins presents America, a great country. Reason number 11. Think about it. You can drop an envelope in a small box and someone will take it and deliver it clear across the country for just 47 cents. Come celebrate that American greatness with Perkins' new Great American Breakfast. Eight new creations from across this great land, like the California Avocado Benedict. California, almost 2,600 zip codes. How do they do it? The Great American Breakfast, now at Perkins. Click the banner on your screen to explore the menu.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is June 4th, 2017, the first show of the month. And we're already at the halfway point of the year. I cannot believe it. I mean, here in New York, we had a pretty mild winter in January and February. But March and April kind of crappy. May just continued that streak. And now we're in the first week of June. And looks like we're going to have rain again the whole week. I don't know. We had such a short time period for the real nice weather. And it looks like we're kind of missing out on it week by week here. But you have to make the best of it, right? But listen, we got a great show for everybody tonight. First off, that was Evil, if you couldn't tell. Uh, doing the song Evil off the album Evil's Message from a 1984 the EP. Uh, we had Freddie Wolf on the show a couple of years ago. Uh, I think around 2015, they had just put out a brand new record, the first record since the original Evil's Message, but uh, called Shoot the Messenger, excuse me, but it was a completely different sound and album than the stuff that we were kind of used to from the old days. And Freddie was basically the only guy really in the band. I think he had a bunch of people come in and play with him, or he played, I think, most of the instruments on the album himself. Uh, I can't remember an interview from two years ago, to be honest with you, what was said, but not a bad record, but nothing if you're expecting it to sound like the classic Evil. It's way off the mark, a completely different sound than album and band. Uh, but check it out. I mean, you know, it might be interesting to some people. If you're a fan of the old stuff, I don't really think you're going to be crazy about it. All right, but we got a great show for everybody tonight. Our good friend Evo from Warfare is back been a couple of years since we spoke to Evo. We'll get that interview on first in about 10 minutes or so because it's getting late in the UK and I'm sure a lot of Warfare fans want to listen live if they can. So we'll do that. But if you can't, uh, just play a show anytime after we're done here at 8 o'clock our time and uh, you can play the replays on that same link. And then we have Miss Liv Sin coming up in the second half of the show. So stick around. We'll get on as much music as we can. I don't think I have anything new queued up tonight. I have to check uh, as we move along through the playlist. But a lot of good music anyway. Like I said, it's always the classic 80s here on the Heavy Metal Mayhem radio show. So I tell you what, let's jump into... Uh, I, there were so many songs from last week that I just couldn't get on because uh, we kind of ended the show a little early. And not too much, but just a little. And I wasn't able to get to them. But uh, how about we do some Hawaii? Beg for mercy. <laughs> Young 
you know, I had to go old school and get some Judas Priest on there. Actually, it was in the later part of their, their career before Rob Halford left the band. Uh, but Hell Patrol, what a great record that was, huh? Painkiller, what a great comeback after those kind of iffy records right before that. But uh, when Redeemer of Souls came out in 2014, I remember getting the advanced copy of it. And I was like, wow, it's some really good shit. And everybody was criticizing the production, criticizing this, criticizing that. Then when the full record, like, you know, when the full record came out, everybody was like, praise how great it was. It was such, I don't know, it was just such a, a finicky society, I guess. It's Judas Priest, for Christ's sake. I mean, you're not going to get anything bad from those guys. Uh, you know, like, like the Iron Maiden is out on tour right now. They're, they're back on, like, I guess, the second wave of the Book of Soul tours here in the U.S. I've seen nothing but great reviews over there. A couple of people said they played a lot of songs off the, the last record. I think like five or six of them. But that's all I made for you. I mean, they've been doing this for 40 years. You're not going to get a bad show when you see how you made it. When they put out a record, I know a lot of people are just hooked on the older stuff. They won't give the new stuff a chance. But it's how you made it. You're going to get an Iron Maiden song. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. And yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a big fan of going to see a classic band from the 80s who've been around for a long time and hearing a lot of songs off the new record. I'm okay with like two, maybe three if you're doing like a full two-hour show. Uh, but six songs is a lot. But look, when a, when a Matter of Life or Death came out, they went out there and did the entire record in its entirety from start to finish with a couple of classic songs at the end of the show. They just don't care. It's Iron Maiden. They're going to do what they want to do. And, you know, they kind of earned that right after 35, 40 years in the business. You know, that's their prerogative. You know what you're going to get or not what you're going to get. They kind of come right out and tell you in the beginning of the tour. So uh, if you like it, go see it. But I don't see them playing in front of any empty seats. So uh, I'm sure they're doing pretty good. All right, let's jump into maybe one more tune. How does that sound? And then we'll uh, talk to Evo from Warfare. All right, how about we do some classic old-school Warfare, and then after the interview, we'll play a couple of cuts off the brand-new record entitled Warfare. I want to talk to Evo all about that.
Thank you. Yourself? Good. Sorry it took me a little longer to call. I'm having trouble connecting here today, but we're good now. No, no. I've just um, sent you a, a message. You could have phoned the landline if you'd wanted to. I don't. Oh. I, I don't use. I don't use it, but I've plugged it in now. So. Oh, okay. You want me to call you back, or are we okay now? What 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 would suit? What What would you get the best reception on the radio from? You sound crystal clear right now. That's fine. We'll just use this one then, if you're right. happy with that. I'm happy. I, I, it's good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Uh, you know, the last yes. time we spoke, uh, you seemed dead set against putting out new music in this day and age and all of a sudden a brand new solo record <laughs> and I mean I mean you hit it on the head with this album thank you thank you um, do you want to know where it came from absolutely a dream <laughs> <laughs> basically basically just a dream or it could have been a nightmare I suppose I'm not too sure <laughs> um, I don't, to be honest with you I, I, I've been asked over the years, last 25 years, to do all sorts, from production to playing with other bands and uh, mastering, and I've just declined all the time. Uh, and it all just came back to me in a dream, seriously. I just, um, I was playing again, I was writing again, and I got up that morning and, and the dream wouldn't leave me. So I um, I went to the garage, um, and I've not had the, the old bass guitar out. Um, oh, goodness, it was dusty, it was out of tune. And I thought, I'll just go up to Fred's and, and go and see my old mate, who has a studio called Trinity Heights. Fred used to play in the Tigers of Pantang. And um, I asked him, could I just plug it into a valve Marshall amp with a stack, which he, which obviously he has. And I hit the first chord, albeit very, very rusty. And good God, it shook the pens off the office desk. <laughs> and um, I started riffing, and I was a bit rusty. Um, and... Uh, it just all came back. Um, it was back in my blood. The noise fell from the fury, as it were. Uh, so so all this music is basically new music that you just started working on recently. Nothing held over from, you know, years past? No, 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 no. It's just um, as, as, soon, as soon as I decided to write, I, um, I put it into action and I just wrote it very, very slowly over a year. Um, I think the first one I wrote was Cemetery Dirt. <clears throat> and then what I was doing, I was just going to the actual studio um, nail on one track, doing the drums, the guitar, the vocals, everything, finishing that track off in its in its entirety, and then start on the next one. That was that was how it was going. Yeah. As opposed to just doing doing a full album like over a fortnight or three weeks or something. Well, you know, it seems like chaos, insanity, and just pure filth <laughs> and dirt is the basis of all your music. I mean, is yeah. that where is that where this comes from? I mean, is that where you come up with these ideas and these themes from the the horrible stuff that goes on around you and in this world? Yes, probably. And uh, my, my, my reluctance to ever conform, I will never ever conform. Um, I think I've proved that by now. Um, I walk a very thin line, you know. Sometimes um, <clears throat> it's a thin line between brilliance and insanity. I don't know really where I'm coming from sometimes. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm, I'm being deadly serious, trust me. Um, and I don't write as a musician. I've never wrote as a musician. Musicians absolutely bore the life out of me. Um, I write in quite a unique way as a hellraiser and with lots of anger and power and very, very loud. Yeah, I mean, that was the basis of warfare and everything that the band stood for, you know, over 25, 30 years ago. And that fire still hasn't left you after all these years. It's still there. Is that important to have that in you when it comes to writing? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this is this is what the fans um, this is what the fans always wanted and never thought they would get. This is just a new warfare album, albeit um, it, 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 it's monitored as a solo album. It's just a brand new warfare album. But um, I noticed on the internet, Invisible Oranges um, did a little piece as a premiere, and they st- they, they say it's still relevant today, which I was very very um, pleased about because I do think it's not just a blast from the past. I'm not just going back to the 80s for the sake of it. Um, even though it's based on the four albums that I did, the noisy albums that I did Warfare, um, it's still relevant today. In fact, I think it's relevant, more relevant today than it ever was back in the 80s, to be truthful. Yeah, yeah the way the world is today, it's definitely more relevant. But yeah, the, the, the music is a throwback to you know the old days of Warfare, but yet it's completely new, it's completely different, and it shows where you're at today, all those years later on. I mean, a lot of your views haven't changed on how you feel about things. No, no, ne- never, never will. And like you say, it's it's um, the government would blow each other to fucking bits and bits and pieces, and it, it's just we're in a complete mess. And when I was when I was writing the whole album, I don't write about dragons and and demons and all that bullshit. I write about facts and I write about the street. Um, and there's so so many subjects that uh, interest me. Um, I could have wrote, wrote three albums quite easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Warfare were one of the most unique bands out there. I mean, you came out at the height of—I shouldn't say the height, but like at the end of the punk era, but in the beginning of the metal era—and you kind of combined the two together, and it was much different than anything else that was going on at the time. Uh, was it hard for the band yeah. to kind of fit in, or did you didn't even care about fitting in and just hoping people would come to you? To, to be honest with you, I, I had I had the uh, the vision of it all, and I didn't really care what they thought of me. Um, I'd been in the upstarts and the blood, um, and it was that sort of um, <clears throat> genre, where, genre where you didn't really give a rat's ass to be truthful. Um, but I knew I wanted to merge the two, um, the metal and the punk. And, and the term thrash at that time had never even been heard of. Um, so I was discovering something brand new, and I turned everything up so it was so loud. It was uh, over the threshold of pain, and that's what I've done with this new album. Same sort of sketch, over the threshold of pain. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> You know I mean If you go back to like The Pure Filth record The Metal Anarchy And Mayhem Fucking Mayhem And even on to like Hammer Horror The band uh, did change As the albums went on The years went on After those first couple I mean Was it just new interest That you were finding Or just the era And the way things were going With the band Or within the band And really you were the band I mean you know Well yeah yeah I was the band And I was the main writer So it was just a case of Just, just to alleviate my boredom To be truthful Um you can only you can only you know just continue making one noisy record after one noisy record. You've, you've got to try and keep yourself interested. Um, and what happened, truthfully, is I just got writer's block. I just stopped. I just didn't know where to go to, um, and I just became bored with the scene. So I thought rather than you know flog a dead horse and keep on going like a lot of bands go, I thought I would just get out while I'm at the top, and that's what I did. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it was Hammer Horror at the end of it for you. Did you kind of feel like after that record you were you know, it was only a matter of time. It was uh, it was that situation where grunge came in, dance music came in. Um, I mean, Iron Maiden couldn't even get arrested, so fuck me, Warfare didn't sound much of a chance. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, it just sort of all grinded to a halt, and I just lost interest. Um, really, I just really lost interest in it. Um, even though underneath it was lurking still, it'll always be in my blood. Obviously, when you've when you've made that kind of music, it, it never comes out of your system. Yeah, was this the first time really since the '90s that you actually felt? I know, I know, it came to you in a dream, 
But did you have any other dreams over the last 25 years? I said, hey, maybe I should get back into this. Or was this really the first time that you actually, you know, followed through with it and said, you know, now's the it, time it, to, to do to, it? To, to be truthful, it was just now's the time to do it. Um, everyone was hassling me. And I put it to um, High Roller Records in Germany had released some Warfare albums. And they'd done very, very well. And um, I just put it to them that I may be interested in writing some more songs and calling it uh, Warfare. And they just absolutely snapped my arm off straight away. Um, I think the, the the PR who works for me, Lucy, she she wrote to them and said, "Would you be interested?" Within a day, I was signed. Wow, <laughs> as, as easy as that. So obviously, that's what they wanted, and that's what I'll give them. Yeah, they wanted that, all right. Well, you know, on this album, you, you got Lips from Anvil playing a little bit. I mean, your old friend Fast Eddie Clark is on the record with you. I believe Nick Turner's uh, playing on here a little bit. You got quite a cast yep. of characters you put together for this record. <clears throat> I have, I have. Um, well, re- really, Warfare were synonymous to be the very first, first, very first punk metal band. Um, that's the moniker, that's the flag I fly. But in my opinion. Um, and probably in a lot of other people's, Anvil were the first band to ever do that double guitar um, thrash thing. And I think Anvil were probably the first thrash band in the world. Um, and Lips is just so shit hot as a guitarist. He plays on uh, This Man Bleeds Here, and he just lifts the song. Um, he is so fast and so professional. It was an absolute pleasure to work with the guy. Um, as opposed to um, uh, when it comes to Fast Eddie, well, what can you say about Fast Eddie Clark? Yeah. Um, in my opinion, he's the best guitarist in the world, and that's from the heart. That them early Motorhead songs, people thought they were just noise, but the guitar work was so intricate, and so um, it was full on. Yes, but it was very, very clever. And um, I just think yet again, the solos he's done in, in, on this album, this Warfare album, absolutely just blow the roof off completely. Yeah, he has um, such a. He has yeah, such a distinct uh, sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The track he plays on is just like Bomber, Ace of Spades meets Metal Anarchy in a sewer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Uh, I mean, is this going to be a few? Is this, you know, your, your your return and your swan song? Or do you think you're going to keep maybe not putting out new music? Uh, or do you have to wait for it to come to you again? Or maybe play live again? Or is that even an option? I don't. Um, I don't really know. What's happening? If if this Warfare album sells really, really well, the future's unwritten. Um, I really did enjoy making it, that's for sure. Um, live-wise, because I don't play as a musician, the songs are so intricate. I, I don't play in 4-4, I don't play in 5-5, five, five, whatever. So the live thing, I mean, at the moment, I, I'm not even thinking about that, to be truthful. But if it was to go out, the session band behind me would have to be so damn good. They'd have to be so bang on the money um, because they would probably play as a musician would play. Well, I don't do that, you see. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I never have, um, which which much to the annoyance of engineers that I work with because they don't have a fuck what I'm doing half the time. <laughs> <laughs> but but how, how, how I do it, how I do it, I paint an oil painting as a song you maybe get a bass riff that, that's that's not in particularly good time, but I know exactly what I want when the guitars go on. I know what the drums are going to sound like. I know exactly what the finished product's going to sound like. Um, and when we were in the studio, uh, the, the, some of the guys that were in there doing the work with me, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I said, fuck off. It is going to work. And um, as soon as I put it down, my God, that doesn't half work ever. 
That's amazing. <laughs> Excellent. Rest my case. Uh, so. Isn't that the best way that music comes out of you, but when you do things that people think you can't do, but you know you can do it, and it's just a matter of laying it down the right way? Well, yeah, 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 because I'm a clever bastard in any case. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm playing the bass, I'm playing the drums, I'm doing the lead vocal, I'm doing some of the guitar, I do, I do uh, keyboards. Um, <laughs> I don't know, the only thing I need to do is the spoons, but it's not that kind of music, so that wouldn't really fit, would it? <laughs> no, it definitely wouldn't. Would, 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 it take, no, no. would it take the right offer to get you out playing live before you really wanted to? I mean, if a right offer was made to you? What, 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 sorry, sorry, Mike? Like, I, you know, there are so many festivals out there today that, you know, love to have bands from the past that are doing it again, playing for them. And they make some pretty mm-hmm. incredible offers to get, you know, these bands back together. Would it take an offer like that to get you back up alive on stage before you wanted to? Um, possibly. The future's unwritten. I can't really comment on that. Like I've, yeah. like I've just said, I would need an, an amazing, um, amazing uh, set of guys to play with. Um, I would go up front and do the lead vocals if it happened. Um, but I would want it to be huge. I wouldn't just play in front of um, a few people. Um, people have waited, waited for it a long time. If it was to happen, I'd want a festival with a, um, a good billing, etc. you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I don't blame you on that. I, I mean, Eva, I, I think about like 25 years, more than that probably, between records. Uh, what do you think changed? I know you said like, you know, if this album sells and it does well, you know, there could be more in the future, but... We're in a world today where albums just don't sell like they used to anymore. You know, not like they did in the 80s, but just as many people have them. It's just that they're not buying them or paying for them. They're getting them illegally. So would you just go based on album sales or the fact that, you know, a lot of people are talking about the album. It's got a buzz because a lot of people will get this record even if they didn't pay for it, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that is an, an, uh, very unfortunate because obviously that's just the way the industry is now. Um, not that I follow the industry. I, I, I'm more on the other side of it, but... Um, I would I would encourage everybody to buy a physical copy that's listening to the radio because you get the lyrics and the lyrics to me are very very important. It's not just um, mishmash; it's proper lyrics, and you could follow the concept right through from one end to the other. Um, my lyrics were always very very intricate and very very um, before the time, and I like to say I think they're more relevant now than they've ever been. So it would be it would be nice for everybody who's listening to go out and buy a physical copy. Because, um, you know, I don't think you're going to get an album like this in 2017. Um, one thing I do, I always write very, very original. I don't know whether you agree with me. Oh, I always agree with you. Going back to the first time I heard the band, and I've been a fan since the early 80s, so I, I couldn't agree with you anymore, Evo. And the new record is very relevant. That's the th- whole thing about it. I mean, as much as it's a throwback to the old days, it's so new. It, you know, you're like mm-hmm. balancing between two fine lines. Absolutely, and, and the production. You can do so many things in the studio that you couldn't do back then. Um, and like I said, I, I actually produced it. I was at the helm all the time. I knew exactly what I wanted. Um, and rather than DI, I don't know whether people will know what DI means, rather than go straight into the mixing desk, when I've played the bass, I've actually plugged it into a Marshall, um, a, an old valve, valve amp, and I've used an old knackered Fender copy that I used to have. Um, it's absolutely fucked from start to finish. It's got <laughs> bashes all over it. The volume pots don't work on it. Um, and I just plug it in and I actually play with a... Um, I've got a key fob for my Jaguar car. It's like a steel um, key fob. And I actually played with a key fob from a, from a Jag car. 
and I absolutely smashed the strings to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we had to change them several times. Um, and the same with the symbols. I absolutely hit a symbol, so I had to split a symbol of one of the sides. Not totally in half, obviously. Yeah. Um, I play with such aggression, and I, th- I think that comes out in the album, if you listen to it. Um, oh. Definitely. Did you, I mean, being back in the studio this time compared to the last time you put a record out, I mean, did, do you mm. find the technology that's available today better to use than it was back then? I mean, I know it's much, much simpler and people have studios in the houses today and they put out full records. Do you like it better the way it is now than compared to like the old analog days or recording on reel-to-reel? I love, I love the sound of analog and that's what I've tried to do on this album. You know that, you know, that bass um, clank, as it were, that yeah. me sort of clank. I've tried to get that. Um, I never do nothing in bedrooms. I'm, I'm, I'm really from the old school when it comes to that. I go to a proper 24-track studio where you can be away from everybody. Um, that's just because that's what I used to do, if you understand me. Yeah. Um, and I think everything, when you go to a proper studio, the drums sound fantastic. Uh, yeah, and the sound through the desk nowadays, and it's, and it's done by computer. I don't really understand it, but um, <clears throat> it certainly kicks ass more. You can get more out of the instruments, albeit you're playing them the same as what you would in the 80s. It just has a different a different sheen on it, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, was everybody that participated on the record in the studio with you at one point or another, or did they kind of contribute it from wherever they were and then had it mixed in? No, no, uh, Lips actually was playing in Newcastle uh, with Anvil, and he actually came to the studio and did the guitar for me. Um, oh. Fast Eddie has, has a studio in London, so he transported the guitar up up, up to our studio here, but we kept in touch. We, we talked our way through it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He was on the phone doing a solo, and I said, would you do this? And he said, what if I do that? And we changed and swapped ideas, and I said, can you make that? Um, heavier and he said do you want it like the old days like more I said you fucking bet I do <laughs> um, uh, and, I, and I think we definitely achieved that between ourselves oh, yeah, without a doubt and, um, yeah Nick Turner uh, Nick Turner. Um, I used to listen to Hawkwind uh, um, God when I was 10 I used to sit at school dreaming about being in a rock band um, and people don't realise with Hawkwind they're actually a wall of noise if you take all that toot toot and all that keyboard off it they're absolutely driving fucking mayhem yeah and um i love the insanity of it and i asked a phone nick up and i said do you fancy doing a little bit of this and that and he was just straight up for it and it's the first time he's narrated brainstorm the song he wrote the, the famous song for for hawkwind and uh on one of the tracks he's obviously got the album uh, we open it with sonic att- sonic attack the words from sonic attack and then Wallop straight between your fucking eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's just, great. just like just like it should be. Yep, absolutely. W- was it difficult, you know, when you had to have the parts brought into you, the add into the songs going back and forth? Then when you have you like you know a musician in the studio with you, you could kind of work it out right there. Is it more time consuming going back and forth to get it the right way, or is it just something you kind of get used to today? It's not really time-consuming. It amazed me because I didn't really know you could do all this. Because um, obviously in the old days, I would have phoned Fast Eddie and we would have arranged to come to the studio together, meet up on the train. And, and now it's just, you don't need to do that. So no, it's quite simple. Once you've got the backbone of the song, and I always know what I want, um, no, I found it quite easy. In fact, it, in fact it, was, it was less time because you're actually just doing the work over, over the phone. And on the guitar, um, we, we chat as friends. Um, 
when we chat as friends, but when we work and we just did the job in hand, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. I mean, even though you've always been you know, the main person, even in warfare, I mean, and, and the main songwriter, is it better when it's just kind of you and you don't have to deal with other band members? It always was me, to be honest, Mike. Um, I know. I was I was at the helm and I just told them what to do. And after the time, there would be news by it. When I was telling them to turn the amps up to number 12 and play in the toilet when we did stuff that made records, uh, you know, play in the fucking toilet. What was that about? Uh, just for that horrible guitar. So I had all sorts of strange ideas. And I, th- I think they all thought I was a bit um, unbalanced, really. Yeah. I mean, the, the band was signed to Neat Records in the early days. They were kind of an upstart label, too. Like they got a Newcastle back in the day. They had Raven and quite a few other bands on there. Was it everything you kind yeah. of wanted from a label back then? I mean, or was it just because it was so new? Really, nobody knew what they were doing? Um, Neat, Neat were very, very, very good with me, to be truthful. A lot of people knock Neat, um, but they got, they got the warfare thing all over the world, which I was pleased about. Um, when, when, I had, um, when I had visions of things like working with Lemmy, um, obviously, I was the guy to ask Lemmy, and I think he's the only. I think Lemmy has only produced two bands. I think the Ramones and Warfare. Uh, um, uh, somebody could correct me. I'm not sure, but I mean, I did the asking, but they obviously had to come up with the dosh. Um Because yeah. the man's a superstar, so to get him to produce the album, but there was never an issue with that. I used to go to the office, and I was always very, very. Even though I was over the top and crazy in my life, I knew exactly which way I wanted to drive it. So when I went in and I said, look, look, I can work with Lemmy. What do you think? Just sort it, he says. Sort it, tell me what you want and we'll do it. And they were, they were, they were very, very good like that. Very good with me. So I have no no qualms with me at all. And Case Vessel was the roadrunner. He was fantastic. He got he got the records out of the right place for me. So, uh, no, I was, I was pleased. And it was a very, very nice time to work in the 80s. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it really was. I mean, did you kind of see the writing on the wall, not just with the band itself? Because I know you said you you started to become bored of it and you you couldn't do any more. But did you see the business part of it starting to change in the '90s, where the music you know that we grew up with and played was kind of disappearing, and a new thing like grunge was coming in? Did you kind of see that happening ahead of time, or did it just kind of take you by surprise? No, no, I saw it happening because there's always there's always a period, there's always a period of excitement, and if the excitement just goes on and on and on, it doesn't become exciting anymore. It's like yeah. sex, really. You know what I mean? Well, I know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it. Um, <laughs> you can't shag all day because you get bored with it, wouldn't it? And then it wouldn't become exciting anymore. Um, yeah, I just think I've said this many times on interviews. I think it's, it was just a time from that from that time from punk through to that new wave of British heavy metal into what what warfare created. And I think it was a wonderful time in the eighties, um, and it was you know you look back and it was such a different time. No no mobile telephones, no computers. Everybody yeah. went to record shops. Um, you didn't do any social media. This is what fascinates me now. We actually. Um, when we were down in London, you know, Rose Tattoo were in town. We used to get pissed with them. Uh, you could see faces all over, Billy Idol, all the guys from Motorhead, etc. And we all used to drink in clubs, and that's where the idea stemmed from. Uh, nowadays, the kids just <laughs> just tap texts to each other, don't they? Um, which I don't know whether it's healthy or unhealthy, to be honest with you. There's a lot yeah. of people can't talk to people like I'm talking to you now, you know? It's true. There's no interaction anymore, no social skills. They just they don't know how to communicate anymore. 
I mean, do you think it's important that, like, I mean, you know, every every decade, every era had its music. The 50s had doo-wop, and then there was soul, and then there was disco, and then metal came about. Do you think it's important after so much time that every style of music sort of has to, you know, self-destruct and burn itself down before it could come back again and really be appreciated for what it was? I mean, metal's made a comeback over the last few years. It's never going to be what it was in the 80s, but it might be steady and stay this way for a very long time. Like the doo-wop came back and the 50s came back and the dance music came back. I, th- I think what it is, we've got a very, very, there's a very loyal cult following now for that type of music. Um, there's thousands of guys that grew up with it, want the physical side of it. They want the gateful slave. Um, they want all the lyrics and all the rest of it. And, and and it's part of their lives. They can relate to it when they were younger. They, you know, they can remember things by it, whatever they were doing. Um, and I think it's healthy. I think rock and roll saves lives, to be truthful. Um, probably, I wish I'd done it before I've actually done it. Um, but I don't know why. Like I said, I can't explain it. But I don't think it'll go away now. I think I think we've we've got this genre, and there's that many people interested in it still. It's come around full circle, hasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, it has. And it's a good thing because maybe in a way that kind of helped bring you back around to us again because I have to tell you, the new record is just absolutely amazing. And I do hope that you get inspired or have another nightmare or a dream to put out another (laughs) one after this because I missed having you around all these years, you know, and to have new music again, it's a great thing. And, Eva, I'm not going to keep you much longer, man, but what a great job. Let me ask you. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you, what is your what is your favorite track if you had to pick one from the, the new Welfare album? I'm torn between Burnt Out and This Man yeah. Bleach Hate. I mean, there's something about those two. I mean, I love Screaming at the Sea just for the way you know you kind of talk through that thing. It's kind of creepy and eerily, yeah. like a dialogue. Yeah. But uh, This Man Bleeds Hate and, and Burnt Out are probably my two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I love them all, really. I, th- I think um, Black is a very, very sinister. Um, yeah. The, the subject matter of black is really sinister. It's dark. Um, but the thing is, it's from the street and it's happening. You read it in your newspaper every day. True. That's as, that's as, far, as, I, that's as far as I'll go with that one. And um, misanthropy, children, children, kiddies, look up, the term, <laughs> look up the term misanthropy and you'll see exactly what I'm singing about. Um, Pastetti thought was fascinating. He really did. And he really enjoyed doing that track with me. Yeah. So, <laughs> Everybody that contributed on the album really made it a whole. And, you know, with your songwriting and your lyrics, it's definitely one of my favorite albums of the year. So please put out oh, another brilliant. one. And uh, High Roller Records, I mean, and it's on vinyl too. What a great gatefold on the vinyl. People should pick it all, you know, one of each up. Yeah, yeah well, what we've done, we've pulled out all the stops. I, said, I always said if I was going to do it again, I would do it full on, full bullet in your face. I wasn't going to piss about doing it half or doing it you know, limp. I wanted to do it full on, full name, um, with with the twists, with the twists like the screaming at the sea, and the stardust thing at the end. Um, it was. It's kind of going through life as as I see it from the beginning right through the album to the end. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a great job, Evo. I can't thank you enough for putting this out and for talking with me today again. Hopefully, we'll do this again real soon. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And I would just like to thank everybody in advance because I know I know a lot of people are going to buy this record. Um, it is it is on High Roller Records, and you can just um, you can go straight to their web, website actually and buy it. Um, 
don't download it for fuck's sake. Get yourself right. a full sleeve with with all with the, all the inner stuff and all the the photographs and all the lyrics and everything. It's a lot a lot of effort. There's a year and a half's work on it to fifty minutes. So I, I would like everyone to buy it, obviously. And um, I, I'm going to make being, sure they do. I'm being yeah, I'm being facetious, but it is the album of 2017. You're not being you're not being that facetious. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Right. Yeah, I've just I've just got yeah I've just got a good good feeling. It's going to do like uh, what Pure Filter Metal Anarchy did back then. So it'd be wise, very wise to listen to it. <laughs> Absolutely, and we're going to push the hell out of it for you, Evo. You have a great night. Take yeah. care, man. It was great talking with you again. Yes, it was fant- fantastic, and I wish everybody the best and everybody out there. Um, have, have a great time listening to the warfare thing. All uh, right, you got it, mate. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Take care, Mike. Bye-bye.
go. Brand new Evo Warfare. Misanthropy, and right before that, This Man Bleeds Hate. It's a great record all around. Evo is always a fun guy to speak to. And I can say this on authority. Evo has told me he will play live shows if the offer is made to him. And, you know, it's reasonable and right. He will play live shows with a reunited warfare. So any promoters out there that are listening tonight or hear the replay of people that know promoters, let them know. You know, it could be like uh, Keep It True, Up the Hammers, Sword Brothers. There's a Frosted Fire here in the U.S., uh, Defenders of Old is kind of wrapping up this year, but a lot of great festivals here in the U.S. and over in Europe. Evo says he'll play them. Just got to make him the right offer. And I think he's kind of gunning to get back out there on the road, you know. It was really cool talking with Evo again. Uh, if you missed the interview, play it back later on. The show will be over in a little less than an hour, and uh, you can catch it after that, all right? Great guy. All right, we've got to play the new Accept tonight. Uh, they got a brand new record coming out, The Rise of Chaos. And you know why? This is like the fourth album, I think, with uh, Mark Tanilla on vocals, and they've kind of done it again. They're just hitting home run after home run. You know, a lot of people talk about Tony Iommi being like the riff master, but I don't, there, I mean, you know, I'll say it Wolf Hoffman and Kurt Vanderhoof don't get enough credit for the songwriting that they do. Two amazing songwriters that have put out album after album of nothing but great riffs. I mean, especially Wolf Hoffman, you know, and uh, we'll have Wolf on the show probably at the end of the summer when he's doing a little press to help promote the record. Uh, but it's another great album over there. And, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, except with the Udo, you know, is the except that I grew up with and the only one that I really acknowledge and love. But the stuff for Mark really is top notch. And I can hear Udo singing those songs, but Mark is just such a great singer and does an amazing job on it. So, you know, you like it, you like it, you don't, you don't, but. It's hard to not say he's an amazing songwriter, Wolf Hoffman. All right. You know what? I just talked so much about Except. I feel like I kind of have to play something by them right now. Uh, How about Son of a Bitch?
New Jersey's blessed death giving us Killer B killed. Man, I miss those guys. I've tried repeatedly over the years to get them on the show. Uh, they just don't have any interest. I don't know if they, they uh, like talk or get along with each other anymore, uh, but they have like no interest in uh, reuniting the band, even though one member passed away recently. Uh, you know, there's still four of them around. I just see, don't see it ever happening. I don't think any uh, amount of money could get them back together. I mean, not that there's a lot of money doing this anyway, but, you know, some promoters are willing to throw a little out there with uh, a trip uh, overseas to a show. I just don't see it uh, taking place. They really don't have any interest uh, in it anymore. Even though Nick Fiorentino, uh, he's in a, like a heavy metal cover band here in New Jersey. Um, I can't remember the name of them right now, but they play out quite a bit. I think they have a show coming up next week somewhere. So maybe I'll have to go down to New Jersey one weekend uh, and catch them live and try to corner him and, and get an interview going with those guys and, uh, I'll air it if I can. All right. Liv Drago used to be with Sister Sin. She kind of, uh, well, not that she probably, the band was kind of deteriorating and fell apart after over a decade of being together. But she's uh, got Liv Sin going right now. Uh, so let's get her connected. Let's talk to Liv, find out what's going on in her world. Liv, how are you? This is Mike. Hi. I'm very well, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Oh, perfectly clear. Good, very good. Uh, It's great talking with you today, and being such a big fan of Sister Sin for the last decade, I'm glad that you didn't waste a lot of time getting back on the horse and putting out a new band. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that it was important to not also not wait too long. It's it's good to, when people still remember you, you have to do something. That's true. Today, people have very short attention spans, and they do tend to forget when you take a long time. So it was important to get the new music out there. And what I love is that you kind of, with the new music, you kind of reminisced about, you know, your last 10 years with the band or 12 years with the band, but yet you've moved into a whole new direction also. It was a nice combination of new and old. Thank you. Thank you. Was it important to let people know that musically you really haven't changed since the band and that you want to kind of keep a little bit of what you did with the band, but yet, you know, show more of yourself now too? Yeah, absolutely. Because of, of course I want to still keep uh, as many as the Sister Sin fans as possible. I don't want to kind of disappoint everybody. Um, when they when they first heard that oh she's doing something and that it would be totally different and they would not like it so I I tried a little bit at least to keep uh, a part of of the sisters in into it too and not change too much but of of course it went more to towards the direction that I and I wanted to try out and wanted to experience that was a, bit, a little bit heavier than the sisters in yeah. I mean, do you consider this to be like an official solo band, a solo album? Because I've heard you mention that it's a band. Uh, so is it is it like a full-on formed band, or do you consider it still to be your your project, your band? Uh, it is it, it is a band with with um, band not changeable band members. I don't hire people. We are all part of the band company, the Libsyn company. So uh, we uh, use uh, we choose to keep the name or my name uh, or I did together with my manager. We decided it for PR. It was easier to sell in. It was easier to um, to, to marketing. So that's mostly why. So uh, so it is definitely a band. Even though of course it is on my it's 
it's uh, based on my visions and my ideas. I started this this band or this project or whatever you want to call it. But I started it, so of course it is based on on my visions. Yeah. Uh, but I have found really good members, so I really want to have that keep them. I really want to have that band feeling into it because uh, I've always played in band, and I, I don't want to be just me just hiring people who can be hired. Sure. I want people who really want to play in a band. Sure. I mean, is it, when you're in a band, there has to be a lot of compromise because you have four or five members that you maybe not all want the same thing. They have different directions musically. And there's always those key songwriters who kind of take the band in that direction. Uh, now with, with this band, is it more way, it's going to be you know, like, not your way or the highway, but it's going to be your vision and you're going to find people that are going to follow what you want to do strictly. Yeah, 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 and I do um, I do the songs together with one of the guitar players, Patrick, and he pretty quickly he taught, he understood the ideas that I had and what the kind of music I wanted to to play. So he was very he could really really kind of read my mind, which made it so much easier to make songs, of course, since he totally sure. understood what I was what I was going for. So and and I tend to keep that direction. Um, so it's mostly the two of us right now. But I know that the, the rest of the band also wants to have some inputs. And I mean, I listen to everything, but it has to fit in the visions or the ideas of what Lipsin should be. Yeah. You know, starting over in any band in music today could always be a challenge. I mean, you're lucky enough to have like a brand name where people know who you are coming out of Sister Sin. That does kind of help. Uh, but... Is it is it more challenging to have to start over uh, with the new pro, with the new band and like you know build it up again, or is it more exciting because I guess it's like a relationship, you know, it's always nice in the beginning, then yeah. it gets kind of stale as it goes along. So there must be a lot of exciting things happening in the beginning of uh, of a new band too. Absolutely, I think it's 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 both. It's very exciting because I have hungry band members who really want to get out there and play and who are not tired from too much touring, etc. Um, but also it is, it is more challenging because it is harder to sell in my, my new band than Sister Sin, of course, because Sister Sin was around for over 10 years. So Sister Sin sold itself pretty much. Uh, and this has not yet come to that point but I hope that it will come to this point uh, that point where, where it also sells itself right now we have to market a lot and and like push a lot for people to 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 hear it uh, and to recognize it of course and bookers and, and etc because uh, people don't really know what it is yet if they yeah. don't, if they're not very hardcore sister scene fans of course and follow me on the on the Facebook and etc then they know but otherwise you can I mean, you have to reach out somehow, and then hopefully it it gets easier. But it is uh, it is more challenging. Yeah, well, I, I guess the good part is that you do retain a lot of the fans of the old band, but you, now you have an opportunity to open up your music to a whole new group of fans. I guess it's just a matter of finding them because even though the internet is a great tool, it does get harder and harder with the more and more bands out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So it's exactly what you what you say. I hope that I can reach out to another audience too, uh, but it's hard because there's so many bands out there, and that there could be tons of people out there who would love this album, but they really don't know it. So that's the hard part to reach out to the right people, uh, 
to make them actually listen to to just to listen to Libsyn and all these music there is out there because it's so many bad and it's so many good bands today. So yeah, it is it's hard to to get out there actually. Yeah. I mean, is the internet basically the only tool an artist has today for promotion? I mean, outside of playing live where, you know, you're always going to win over new fans or hearing you for the first time. Is the internet the sole way of promoting a band? Are there any other ways out there? I think the best way of promoting is a tour with a bigger band. Uh, so you got a, if you've got a good support slot with a matching band, that's one of the best things that can happen to, to a newer band. Uh, or a smaller band, because then you reach out to so many people that maybe wouldn't find you otherwise. So I think that is actually one of the key tools to to build yourself a bigger audience. Uh, but then you have to find the right support slot, not just any bigger band, because if it's not the right audience, it will not work anyway. True. I mean, I mean, I hate to say as a new band because you're not really you've, you've been around for so long doing this. But as a new band, do you kind of want to pick and choose who you play with and where you play and what toys you can get on, or do you just kind of grab for anything in the beginning just to get out there? I I'm trying to not grab anything in the beginning because that was exactly what we did resistance in uh, mostly all of the time, and that was what in the end got us to break up because we toured too much and we were not very smart about our choices sometimes. And I, I'm thinking about that and I'm trying to see it as I learned from the experience that I'm not going to jump on any, everything, whatever it is. It has to be something that actually gains something for this band. Um, otherwise, I have to think again. So I'm, I'm trying to be smarter and not take everything, but also, of course, you have to be out there and play. So, so we do have to take something just to be out there and play, of course. And we want to play. It's not that. It's just that you have to be smart. Yeah. I guess it is kind of hard because, you know, you don't want to turn down opportunities to play because that's what you, you love to do. But you do have to make the right choices because you learn from past experiences with the, with the band. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, if it, when you are a smaller band and there is not so much money involved, you have to kind of think about what people, what the rest of the band and what I'm losing in income. Uh, and I, we are not 20 anymore. We don't live at home. So that's also something you have to think about. Everybody should be able to support their, their families or their homes or what they, whatever they do. Um, so it has to be a wise choice, even though, of course, everybody wants to get out and play. So it, you have to like uh, weigh those things among each other towards it and then you you see what's and and everybody in the band will have the right to say i can't do this or i don't think this is worth it and that the one who who wins if most people say it's worth it we do it if most people say it's not worth it we, we will not do it yeah you know Liv, since you started in this business and, and and made it more of like a professional career and got out there playing what's the most that's changed over the last 15 years i mean is there anything that's worse today than when you first started I think it is actually harder to get out there because um, we Sister Sin released the first record in 2008, uh, and of course we had internet and MySpace, etc. But it was still like good to be on a label, and and you could actually, if you toured a lot, people would see you. And but today it's even more music, and you have all these other sites which are good. I mean Patreon and uh, all those. Uh, 
crowdfunding things, which are very good for for for, for bands that get the opportunity to release their music. But it also makes it so much. So it is. I think it it is soon gonna explode because it's too much. And and also I feel like the it's always been kind of low to be a musician. It's been like um, a low profession or whatever you. You, you, some people look at you as like, hmm, get a job. But I feel like it's even worse today when, because because since the record sales is not nothing you can count on anymore, the bands have to count on touring. And then you get so many bands and they all have to tour and tour and tour and people get tired of looking at all these bands and the bands get desperate and they tour even more because they get less paid, but they sort of have to tour more. In the end, that will not work, and I think that might explode after a while. Um, and it, the band has to make money from something else than touring. In the end, otherwise, people will not go and see bands anymore because it's bands every night, everywhere. True. I, I, I know. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. I know what you're saying, and I, I find it funny because you'll have fans that'll say, oh, you know, like Megadeth, they've been to New York City five times this year. It's too much. But those are the same fans that aren't yeah. buying the records anymore, which could cause the band to not have to tour so often because they can make money from records. So it's really, when you look at it, I mean, I hate to blame us and the fans, but the people that aren't buying the records are the ones that put the bands in this position. Yeah. But I totally understand it. I don't buy so many records either. I buy if I buy I buy a vinyl because I like it and I I think it's nice. I can put it up in a wall and it's looking good, etc. But I in Sweden, Spotify we have Spotify and it's everything is on Spotify. Yeah. So I don't blame people for that because it is another time. But I just feel like it has to be somehow some something else that could make money for the artists so they actually can still do it. Do it. True. Uh, is, is the new record going to be out on vinyl? Is Follow Me on vinyl? Are you going to be able to get out on vinyl? It is already out on vinyl. I didn't even know that. I have the CD. See, I got to yeah. pay more attention to the vinyl selections because I'm an old school guy and I, I love to have the vinyl. Yeah. I just think it sounds so much better than digital. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you, uh, yeah, so, so we sold... We have both both C, uh, CD and vinyl out, and and I have the vinyl on my wall, and I like that. I, I wouldn't have put the CD on the wall, but I put the vinyl on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. You know, you know with the new record, uh, you had a little connection there with, with Udo's guys and except with Fiddy and, and Stefan working with you on the album. Were you guys all friends before this, or did you just kind of hook up with them for the album? And no, we were actually friends, uh, especially with Fiddy, because this was in tour with Udo, Two bigger tours, uh, longer tours, uh, one in 2011 and one in 2015. So, and we really hooked up with Fitty, and um, he was also always very uh, like a mentor for Sister Sin. He wanted to give us advice all the time, and he also said some. I don't remember if it was the last tour or the tour before, but he said, "I do one day I want to produce you guys." So I remember that when I was starting this project that he said that so I contacted him and see if he were interested in doing my project then and he was so so that's how that happened yeah is, is it difficult working with somebody that you kind of know in a way like that and they're going to have to give you direction and, and maybe change things around you know to bring out the best of the band is it easy to accept that or do you kind of like fight back a little bit 
for me, it's pretty easy to accept that because I worked with producers so many times before. Um, and also I've worked with uh, with some of the guys at Sister Sin, or the, the, the songwriters at Sister Sin. They, they had their ideas of how something was supposed to be. So, uh, so I kind of early learned to follow what people told me or at least try what people told me to do and then see if it works or not. So for me, it's not that hard working with kind of any producers if they are good producers. And I don't mean that how the sound is. I mean how they are as a producer. Uh, and Stefan Kaufmann, he made me feel very relaxed and very comfortable. And I always hate being in the studio. And he actually made me enjoy it sometimes. So that is being a good producer, that he made me feel relaxed and that I was doing a really good job all the time. Um and then it's not that is very easy to try new things. If he said try this instead, then I do it because I feel comfortable in doing that. I I believe what he said. Say uh, say. Then of course sometimes you 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 have like no, I, I think my thing is better. And then you try out both things and you find out which is better. For me, it's it's not it's not harder than that. Yeah, I, I guess it's a give and take on both ends because sometimes you know they're right and sometimes you're right, and you have to find that middle ground to make you know the absolutely. perfect sound the record. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, being, is, is being in the studio the best part of being in a band or like the live performance or when you're working on creating the music? Because it seems today that so many artists have to be you know businessmen, manager. You know, uh, the, the business consumes more of their time than the actual creation of you know music. And you're an artist and you want to create. Uh, does that kind of take away from yeah. the creation part of it? Definitely. I, I do. I feel like exactly that. The last couple of weeks, uh, the one thing I've done pretty nothing from is like being in the rehearsal room or singing because I don't have any time to do that. I do I do so much emailing and so much booking stuff and, it's, and interviews and stuff like that. And in the end, it's like, I don't have time for singing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I kind of sometimes feel like I'm more like, um, like an, I don't know the word for it. When you, when you sit and coordinate stuff and kind of that is the job to coordinate and email and do, 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 and not so much making the music. Um, so, but I, and the, and the thing I like most is playing live. That's absolutely. Yeah. And I do love to. I like being in a rehearsal room and just playing too. And uh, but definitely live is the best part. I don't like being in the studio. Songwriting process can be fun if it's going well, and if it's not going very well, it's not fun at all. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Well, I'm not going to keep you. I do appreciate your talk with me today. I mean, follow me. What an amazing record you put out. I can't wait for you guys to take off and keep putting more and more new music out. What do you have up for the rest of the year? 2017 is just getting on the way. Uh, you have any plans in the near future? Uh, well, for the summer, we are doing festivals here in Sweden mostly. And after the summer, we are preparing a fall tour. Which we, we have Spain so far, and we are looking to get out to more European countries than that. Uh, so that's for 2017. Then we are looking into the option to come over to the States in 2018. Uh, it's also, also, of course, depending on 
if we can get a good support slot, etc., etc. Um, but we are looking into that. That would be um, that would be the plan, and that would be the the, the best option, I think. Well, I hope it happens. I would love to see you here in, in the U.S. again. It would be great. And, and the best of luck with the band and the new record. Thank you so much. And, Thank you. Uh, have, have a good day. You yeah. too. Have a great night. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
In the beginning, there was rock and roll heaven. You know, uh, it was two years ago today that Alan Fry, the singer of that band, and a good friend of the show, we had Alan on here many years ago, and after he was on the show, uh, him and I became pretty close, and we spoke a lot, and it was sad when he passed away, because it was not long before that, he just started getting heaven back together, even with some of the other original members, and they're doing some reunion shows, and so much more was going to take place and happen, and then he got sick, and, and he passed on two years ago today, so uh, rest in peace, Alan. What a great, great song, man, I have to tell you. In the beginning, I remember the first time I heard that back in 1982. I was like, who's this band that's singing about Saxon and Iron Maiden and Motorhead and, and they're playing the riffs in the song? I was I became such a big fan. What I didn't like is, I, I don't remember if it was Twilight of, of Mischief or Bent. Uh, I would go to Zigzag Records and it was in the import bin. And the album back then, I think, cost me about 17 or $18, which in 82 was a lot of money. Especially for a kid who had a paper out <laughs> Making about $7 a week I remember buying that record And then I go back, you know, a few months later And there's another heaven record called Bent You know, and I just bought it And not realizing it was pretty much the same record Just a different title that they changed, you know uh, From the US version to the Australian version, I guess But I still have both of those copies And uh, because I was digging it out for today's show I went through, was going through my records And I was like I have so many other records that I can't find. I don't know what happened to those records over the years. I don't know if I, if when I went through my, my punk and hard and hardcore phase in the mid-80s, I just got rid of a lot of them. I know a lot got kind of lost in, uh, in the move over my life between getting married and moving into the house. And a few of them just had gotten completely warped and destroyed uh, because I used to have my record collection very close to a radiator uh, when I was 13 years old. Didn't know any better. <laughs> Out of the wax, kind of warped and melted. But I'm going through them now and taking notes and trying to rebuy a lot of records. I mean, I pulled out my Iron Maiden records. There were four of them in there. I was like, where the hell do my Iron Maiden records go? So I got something to keep me busy for the next few months, uh, going through eBay and other sites, trying to uh, you know rebuy a lot of the old original albums if I can. And I have to get the first Jack Panzer record, the EP again, because I remember giving the album cover to a guy in Caesar's Bay Bazaar when I was a kid, and he used to make up buttons for us off my album covers. We had a lot of buttons that you couldn't get back then, the Merciful Fade EP and the Jack Panzer, and he had my Jack Panzer record cover and another one. I think it was actually the Merciful Fate one, uh, the EP, and he went out of business a week, a week later when we went back, and I, I never got my album covers back. I was able to kind of, uh, you know, get a five-finger discount on one of the original Merciful Fate covers, from Bleaker Bars in the city because Bleaker Bars was smart in a way. They used to put all the album covers in the bins without the albums in there. So if people stole them, they would only get the album cover, not the actual album. So nobody would steal from there. But me, I only needed the album covers. So I was able to get that, but they only had the picture disc album cover <laughs> for the first Jack Panzer EP. So I'm missing the original cover. So I'm going to have to rebuy that original one day. But it's a bad thing to steal. But I was a teenager, and, you know, I didn't really give a shit back then. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's what happened. All right, next week, I mean, we're going to wrap up today's show in about 10 minutes. But next week, our friend Joe Lennon from Frigid Bitches back. I think we had Joe on about a year or so ago. They are playing at this year's Defenders of Old Festival on the Saturday night. Uh, I really wasn't going to go. I might show up for the Saturday night because I really do want to see Sarah Thungle. But then again, on Friday night, there's Bitch and Nasty Savage playing. It's just that... You know, here in New York City, I live in Staten Island. The show was in Brooklyn. Not a big deal right over the bridge, but it's in Williamsburg. And dealing with that BQE on a Saturday night or any night during the week is such a pain in the ass. I don't want to go there. Last year, it was uh, more like, uh, I don't know, I guess Sunset Park, a Prospect Park. A lot easier for me to get the easier parking 
Parking is a nightmare over there. And I noticed that there's still a lot of tickets for sale. So I don't know if the location is turning a lot of people off from the, you know, from like the New York City area from going there. But when they had the one two years ago, the tickets sold out within a matter of a week or so. Uh, the tickets have been on sale for months now, and there's still quite a few left. So I don't know what the turnout is going to be. We'll have to see. Uh, but uh, I might just go on Saturday night to see Frigid Bitch and, uh, and Sarah Thungo. But Joe is on next week. We'll talk to him all about that show. Uh, you know, they're re-recording the original, one of their original records right now, and they're going to release it. So we'll find out what's going on. All right. Let's jump into, uh, you know what? Let's do uh, one more song. Maybe we got time for two more songs. Oh, John said, John, that was heaven that I played right before uh, I started talking. Uh, with Alan Fry, has been heaven from Australia. Great band. That song was off the first record, Bent, or Twilight of Mischief, if you could find the original uh, Australian version of it. But how about we close things out here? I'm trying to find a song that uh, is a little longer than normal, just so we can take it to the end of the show. Because we do have about eight minutes left here. But uh, I don't think I have anything that long. So, uh how about we do some, uh, let me see here. I don't know. How about some Scanner? We'll do Locked Out. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. I want to thank Liv Sin and Evo. We had a great show tonight. I want to thank all my boys in the chat for entertaining me and keeping the show going every week. Thank you very much. Here you go. Scanner, Locked Out. Take care, everybody. See you next Sunday.
Perkins presents America, a great country, reason number three. In almost every city and town, there are huge buildings filled with books that you can check out for free. Just bring them back. Come celebrate that American greatness with Perkins' new Great American Breakfast. Eight new creations from across this great land, like the New York Steakhouse Omelet. Ah, New York, we hear they've got a pretty great library. The Great American Breakfast, now at Perkins. Click the banner on your screen to explore the menu. Perkins presents America, a great country, reason number 11. Think about it. You can drop an envelope in a small box and someone will take it and deliver it clear across the country for just 47 cents. Come celebrate that American greatness with Perkins' new Great American Breakfast. Eight new creations from across this great land, like the California Avocado Benedict. California, almost 2,600 zip codes. How do they do it? The Great American Breakfast, now at Perkins. Click the banner on your screen to explore the menu. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 